Well, let me welcome all of you that are joining us on all of our campus, Coral Gables, our Kendall campus, and of course, everybody from around the globe via church online. We are in the final week of our series at the movies, Leadership Edition. And today, one movie, Darkest Hour. Now, there is a family tradition of sorts. It's kind of passed down from generation to generation. At some point, a parent in the life of the child will kind of share some words with them. I call them words to live by. They're these sort of pithy little one-line statements that kind of end up being the sort of relational rules for living. And here's what I've discovered. In my life, most of these proved actually irrelevant. For instance, In my case, uh, my parents would say, never get in a car with a stranger. And yet today, we call that Uber. And then, of course, there was another one, uh, never leave the home in torn clothes. And yet today, we call that fashion, totally irrelevant. And then, of course, this one's an oldie but goodie, always clean everything on your plate. And it's obvious that my parents had never been invited to a home of a Cuban because when you clean your plate, what do they do? They fill it up again. And how many plates can you clean in one meal? And yet there's been one, one that has proven to be true over and over again. It was this one. Finish what you start. No matter how hard, no matter the obstacle, no matter the roadblocks, finish what you start, which implies you better choose your starting point well. But I think if I could modify that today, having lived life for a while, I think I would modify it to say this, finish what God starts in your life. And why does this matter so much? Well, let me tell you, because if leadership is a journey and you are leaders, then you're gonna encounter a moment that one ancient sage referred to as the dark night of the soul. This is the moment where your cause seems lost, where fear is flickering on the edge of your mind, where your dreams are going down like a plane in a graveyard spiral, and where everything about your character wants to hit the God eject button. Have you been there? Because if you aren't now, you will be. And it's at this very moment that one virtue becomes indispensable. And that virtue, that word is commitment. Commitment. And I don't know how you define commitment, but here's how I define commitment. Commitment is the act of engaging oneself to finish what you start. And I believe this is particularly important today in what we would call a disposable world. I mean, think about it. We have disposable wipes, Disposable income, disposable uh, diapers, and worse yet today, we live in a world of disposable marriages, disposable jobs, disposable education, even disposable employees. And you see, it seems like we are all quick to start things that we never really intend to finish. And so what I've discovered is that there are lots of starting points, but very few finish lines. But when you commit, here's what you can discover, that your darkest hour can be God's greatest hour. And if there were ever a dark hour, it was in 1940, 
Nazi Germany has rampaged across Europe. France is on the verge of defeat. And only the tiny Allen nation of Great Britain, the UK, stands in the face of tyranny. Then Prime Minister Neville Chamberlain is having to resign. And so there is a leadership gap during a desperate need. Enter Winston Churchill. Let's watch. You've wanted this your entire adult life. No, since the nursery. What do the public want It's me? your own party to whom you'll have to prove yourself. I'm getting the job only because the ship is sinking. It's not a gift, it's revenge. Let them see your true qualities, your courage. My poor judgment. Your, your lack of vanity. Yeah, my iron will. Your sense of humour. Ho, ho, ho. Now go. Go? Be... Be what? Be yourself. Myself. Hmm. Which self should I be today? Hmm. One should have had power when a young man, when wits were sharp, sinews strong. Oh well, uh, lead on Macduff. When youth departs, may wisdom prove enough. Hmm. Your Majesty. Mr. Churchill, I believe you know why I have asked you here today. Sir, I simply cannot imagine why. <laughs> <laughs> it is my duty to invite you to take up the position of Prime Minister of this United Kingdom. Will you form a government? I will. Very well. Well, that was quite easy. Yes, it was. <clears throat> so like Churchill, the Apostle Paul is a leader standing in the gap during very, very dark times. It's as though God had pulled out a map of the entire world, drew a circle around Jerusalem, said, Peter, you take this, Paul, you take the rest. But he's recently experienced his own dark night of the soul. He is now under house arrest. And yet he will write a book, the book of Philippians, that's the great book with a theme of joy. And so let's pick up again where Pastor Bill spoke last week. Paul says this about his leadership. I want to know Christ, yes, to know the power of his resurrection and the participation in his sufferings, attaining to the resurrection of the dead. You see, I think leaders who commit understand this leadership tension. You see, Paul here is expressing a deep desire to know Christ in a very life-changing way. No knockoff Jesus will do for Paul. And so he says, the power of his resurrection. I want to know this, to experience this. Basically, it's what he's saying. I want to experience a new life in Christ with spiritual energy. What he's talking about here is that the power that was displayed through Christ at the resurrection is now displayed in us and through us. This is what I call casket exploding power. 
And this is the moment of leadership jazz or leadership joy. When everything is going right, when your leadership is flying and you're always experiencing a static. And who doesn't want this power when it comes to leadership? But then, but then Paul drops a truth bomb. The participation in his sufferings. And when you read Paul's letter, you discover that all throughout the letters, he is always talking about a dying to himself for the sake of sacrificing for others. Leadership is about relationships and relationships are messy. People fail you. People slander you. People let you down. And this is what we call leadership pain. And I love this statement by Levi Lusco. He says, God doesn't always just want to decrease our level of pain. He wants to increase our threshold for pain. And it's through pain that often God is developing your best leadership. And yet here's what I've discovered, that our definition of God's love and goodness seems incompatible with the idea of pain and suffering. Yet isn't the cross full of suffering? And aren't we called to take up our crosses? You see, if you're uncomfortable with pain, you will never finish anything of significance. And you know what? It's easy to commit when everything is up and to the right. When health is good, numbers are good, family's good, life is good. But you know what? It's a different matter when disillusionment gets layered on disappointment and you can't even see a sunrise on the horizon. And yet, no, Paul wants to embrace both leadership tensions. And then he kind of wraps up the verse by saying this, attaining to the resurrection of the dead. And the Greek here is a little bit confusing, but here's what I believe Paul's saying. Paul is longing for God's best and better in him to finish what God has started in him, knowing ultimately, well, death, that's just the ultimate upgrade. And here's what I know about you, because I know this is true about me, that God sees more leadership potential in you, his best and better, than you see in yourself currently. And so here's what I've discovered. Here's what I conclude. Leaders who commit embrace both, both the joy of leadership and the pain of leadership. And unless you attach yourself to a greater purpose and endure the pain of such, you will always settle for lesser you, and you will never finish what God wants to start in your life. And then Paul gives us a little bit of good news here. He says he's not finished yet, and neither are we. He says, not that I've already obtained all this. That's good news. I already arrived at my goal. But then note these words. I, stand with me, press on to take hold of that which Christ took hold from me. Paul is using an athletic metaphor here. What he's talking about here in the words press on is with focused determination, muscles exerted to the Mac, almost a point where the athlete talks about hitting the ball. Paul says, I'm going to press through. I'm going to push on. And the question is why? Because of his cause, his calling. That's what he says right there in the passage, that Paul wants a complete and full understanding of every single thing, his leadership potential, everything God wants to do in him and through him. And he says, well, how do you press on? Well, he answers it right here in verse 13. Look what he says. Forgetting what is behind 
and straining towards what is ahead, I press on, double emphasis, towards the goal to win the prize for which Christ is calling me heavenward. It's like right now, he gives you a backstage pass to the universe saying there's more that's going on right now in your leadership that you even imagined. Eternity is at stake. In other words, here's what he's saying. Look, you got to forget the past, okay? You got to face your future. You got to know where you're going. That's your goal because your direction determines your destination. You got to go for the win. That means every single day you bring your best and better and you press on no matter the pain because why? God's power is present and available for all of us. It seems to me that you have a choice today. Some of you are stuck in the past, which means you will spend the rest of your life commiserating what has been. Or you could face your future and press on and make things that can be. You really have a choice. And then Paul, well, he sort of gives us a spiritual smackdown at this point. Notice what he says, verse 15. All of us then who are mature should what? Take such a view of these things. Basically, here's what he's saying. Look, get over. You're sitting on a Caribbean beach with a corona faith. Get over it. It's time to get on with your cause. Finishing what God starts, no matter the pain, no matter the setbacks, no matter the obstacles. Because we know this about leaders. At some point, your leadership's going to encounter a crisis. And so in this case, France is on the verge of defeat. 300,000. British troops are at risk of annihilation and Great Britain is in need of a rescue operation, decisive action. Let's watch. As of 20 hundred hours last night, the Germans have encircled 60 British, Belgian and French divisions. On our part, all our forces under Lord Gort have withdrawn or are trying to withdraw to the French coast, to Dunkirk where we cannot reach them. How many of our men are trapped? All of them. Our country's entire professional soldiery, and we can see no clear way to rescue them. General, uh, are you telling me that we shall have lost the entire British Army by the next few days? That's correct. The German force is superior in every regard and only 50 miles from the coast. They are pushing us into the sea. Oh, the Germans must not reach the sea. Not, not before we evacuate our, our men. Nismay, what have you got for us? As it stands, I cannot see we have much hope of getting any of our forces out in time. Not a man. Well, we, well, we cannot be so... Uh, totally at their mercy. What's our next step? Anyone? Come on, speak! We still have a garrison at Calais, 25 miles to the west. Well, how many men do we have there? 4,000, more or less. <coughs> why, why didn't you say so? <coughs> yes. Then we, uh, we have them go east, engage with the German columns, moving on Dunkirk. Buy us some time. Draw the, the Nazi focus away from Dunkirk whilst we execute a, a maritime evacuation of our forces. Is that uh, possible? It would mean a huge sacrifice. 4,000 young men. To save 300,000 
Under whose command is the uh, Calais garrison? Uh, Brigadier Nicholson. Very well. Uh, General Nicholson, it is of the greatest importance to this island that, that his garrison draw the enemy's tanks and artillery and bombers away from Dunkirk. Invite their wrath and... Well, and to fight on, if needs be. If needs be, until the destruction of his command. It's suicide. So Great Britain is in need of a rescue operation. Today we know that operation is Dunkirk. Did you realize that today the world is still in need of a great rescue operation and God has a plan A for that? It's called his church and it involves you. But have you ever faced a difficult decision? There are times in leadership where it feels like the whole entire weight of the world rests on your decisions. But make no bones about it. Make no mistake about it. The decisions you make today, no matter how big or small, will determine whether or not you finish what you start tomorrow. And Paul, speaking of his own leadership reality, understands what this means. Listen how he describes his own cause in 2 Corinthians. He says, we are hard-pressed on every side. That word hard-pressed means hemmed in like a boxer in a corner. It's as though you're taking five rounds in the octagon with your cynics, with your critics, even your own voices of doubt. But note this. He says, we're not what? Say it with me crushed. He says, we're perplexed. And, and that word there basically implied being stretched to a breaking point, like I'm taking a rubber band to a breaking point. It's the point of almost bewilderment. And yet he says these very words, but not in despair, because God knows. We are persecuted means we are mocked. We are personally attacked. We are falsely accused. But note this, we're not abandoned. God's right there with us. And I love this last one. We're struck down means we get knocked down, but we don't get knocked out. We are taking hits verbally, emotionally, physically. But guess what? They can't destroy what God starts in you. And so leaders who commit make tough decisions during very tough times. Decisions that are costly, decisions that are unpopular, decisions that will disappoint others, and decisions that will keep you up at night. But you know what Paul says? Don't lose heart because you have this all unsurpassing power or all surpassing power from God in you during the time of your decisions. And so when you face a leadership crisis, you know what the biggest decisions are? Here they are. Do I stay or walk? Do I stand or fall away? Do I commit or quit? And why is that so important? Because all great leaders have doubts. Churchill is facing increasing pressure to negotiate with Nazi Germany, which he believes is futile. His cabinet is threatening to resign and the whole of Great Britain could go down in one giant humiliating defeat if they fight. Enter his dark night of the soul. Let's watch. There's someone to see you. You have a visitor. Mm. 
darling, you have the full weight of the world on your shoulders. I No, can't. I know, I know. But these inner battles have actually trained you for this very moment. You are strong because you are imperfect. You are wise because you have doubts. Now, shall I let him in? Uh, who? The king. Which king? Our king? Well, if it isn't him, it's a marvellous impersonation. Mr. Churchill, I hope you can forgive the late hour, but your wife thought tonight would be a good time. Shall we sit? Uh, uh, yes, uh, uh, please. Um, uh, some, uh, something to drink, perhaps. I received a visit from Viscount Halifax. It appears that the prospect of a peace deal has increased dramatically. Uh, the war cabinet are drafting a letter to Mussolini, asking him to broker talks with Hitler. Then Halifax was correct. I, I should like to know your mind. It would be helpful to know yours first. Uh, I should like to know it myself. Nations <clears throat> which go down fighting rise again, and those that surrender tamely are finished. Belgium? Collapsed. Norway? Holland. France, any other. And the mood of Parliament? Fear, panic. And you? Are you not afraid? I am most terribly. Support in the war cabinet for the campaign of resistance has collapsed. Uh, later today, I, I will address the House accordingly. You have my support. Churchill had every single chance to failure, yet he overcame doubt when he listened to the right voices. You know, on our Twitter, Instagram, show your best, hide the rest world, we try to airbrush our images. But some decisions are so weighty that you can only be honest with your doubts and hope for that one voice, that one voice of encouragement says, do all that you have in your mind. 
Paul writes about this in the very last letter he will ever write prior to his death. He says these words, do your best to come to me quickly, Timothy, for Demas, because he left, loved the world, has deserted me and gone to Thessalonica. Crescens has gone to Galatia and Titus to Dalmatia. Only Luke is with me. Get Mark and bring him with me because he has say this word with me. Helpful to me and my ministry. There are moments in leadership where the most helpful thing is the mere presence of another human being. You see, leaders who commit overcome doubts, self-doubt, confusion, uncertainty. You will never finish what God starts you unless you can overcome your lack of confidence and indecision. And how do you do that? You listen to the right voices. You surround yourself with can-do, brave heart, courage individuals who say to you, I am with you, heart and soul. So let me ask you, who's in your corner? Who's in your marriage corner, your parenting corner, your workplace corner, saying, don't quit, don't quit? I love what Craig Rochelle says, often the best and most rewarding decision you can make is to stay the course, even when it would be simpler to turn and walk away. You see, folks, there is a time to fight. Victory or humiliation, stand alone or stand together. Let's watch. We shall fight in France. We shall fight on the seas and oceans. We shall fight with, with growing confidence and growing strength in the air. We shall defend our island, whatever the cost may be. We shall fight on the beaches. We shall fight on the landing grounds. We shall fight in the fields and in the streets. We shall fight in the hills. We shall never surrender! And if, which I, I, I do not for a moment believe, this island or large part of it were, were, were subjugated and starving, then our empire be on the seas, armed and guarded by the British fleet, would carry on the struggle. Until in God's good time, the new world, with all its power and might, steps forth to the rescue and the liberation of the old.
fight they did. There are battles in life worth fighting. There are causes in life worth the sacrifice. I don't know about you, but if I fail, I want to fail for something worth failing for. I have to remind myself that we, the church, we are a part of the highest state's fight, fought on the broadest front, fought daily and fought for the very souls of men and women. There's more to school than a diploma. There's more to your workplace than a paycheck. There's more in your marriage than growing old. These are the battlefronts where you display Christ and where you fight for your families and you fight for all those who are far from God. Imagine your story if you gave up every single time you wanted to. Paul says, I will not give up. And so he finishes his life with these words. For I am already being poured out like a drink offering. My time of departure is near. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. And now there is in store for me the spiritual Congressional Medal of Honor, a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. Leaders who commit have grit. They fight on. Their motto is never, never quit, never give up, never surrender, never, never, never shrink back. When you're tempted to quit on your spouse, you say never. When you're tempted to quit on your education, you say never. When you're tempted to quit on your kids, you say never. And when you're tempted to quit on your dreams or your face, you say never, 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 because Jesus said, I will never leave you or forsake you. And if you don't know in life, what is worth fighting for, worth finishing for, then you have not discovered your starting point. Find your cause, muster your courage, build your character, develop your competence, and keep your commitment to finish what God starts in your life. You know, I'm at the sunset of my life and this is particularly relevant to me today. In 1997, as a student pastor, I had sudden onset deafness. For 20 years, I lived believing I would finish my life deaf in one ear until last December, when suddenly I began to experience hearing loss in my right ear. Several trips to the doctors and treatment, the robber was identified as Meniere's disease, and I faced the prospect that one day I'll be totally deaf. I don't know how you wake up in the morning, but the first thing I do is this, just to know I will have one more day of hearing. I wonder every day, how will I finish? Still I know my darkest hour will be God's greatest hour. I don't care if I have to crawl to limp or lose my hearing. I will, in the spirit of Philippians, rejoice in the Lord always. I will be anxious for nothing. I will pray about everything and I will be thankful for anything because I can do, you can do, we can do all things through Christ who gives me strength, you strength, us state. And when we do, and when we commit, your darkest hour, my darkest hour will be God's greatest hour. Amen? Would you pray with me? Let's pray. Gracious God, thank you for one word commitment, that you give us something to commit to. 
And yet for some today, I realize they haven't even discovered a cause worth fighting for. And maybe today would be the first day that they would discover real purpose in their life by coming to you, admitting they're sinners and saying it's time for a new cause, a new purpose and pray to receive you as their Lord and your Savior. And you say it's easy. All they have to do is believe in their heart and confess with their mouth that Jesus is Lord. So for anyone right now who would be willing to pray this simple prayer with me, would you pray? Lord Jesus, I'm in need of a cause. I'm in need of something worth fighting for because so far I've been fighting the wind. And I recognize my dependence upon you today. I want to invite you to come into my heart. I want to confess you today. I want to believe that you are the Lord and that you are the Savior and that you are a beginning of a brand new life for which I will commit in your precious name. Amen.